Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Which college football coaches are on the hot seat? Who are the Dark Horse programs that will shoot to the top of the rankings? And what games have we already circled on that calendar? Well, my next guest breaks down all that and more right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Welcome to Believe in College Football Legends. I'm Chris Smith. Send me a topic or question on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. We got a great show for you. And you know what else is great? Well, it's Bet Online. Bet Online AG is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get those latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's Pro Hoops playoffs. Look, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Last week, we broke down the top five programs in the nation and who won't be there come playoff time. Plus, some of those teams that needed to step up on D. So make sure you check out that prior episode because it's never too early to pick apart the preseason top 25 of college football. That's why we brought back my special guest on the show, Jeff Mazzillo, sports writer at Yard Barker and many other platforms. We're going over his article on Yard Barker. The way too early college football top 25. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Hey, it's great to be here, Chris. Thank you so much. Now, strewn about your top 25 are some new kids on the block and some blue bloods that are back on top. I looked at five programs coming in at number 10. You had Florida State, number 12, TCU, 14, Tulane, 19, Texas Tech, and number 25, UTSA. But the question is, are they here to stay, or does the Cinderella turn into a pumpkin for some? Well, I, I, you know, I think you start when you look at the um, at UTSA. That's an inch. That's kind of been a fun team to watch. I don't know, you know, how many uh, the, the casual college football fan really follows this team, but they've been pretty good for back to back conference USA titles. Yeah, but now they're moving into the American Athletic Conference, so that's a whole new beast. And I still think they have the opportunity to contend there. Um, I don't know if they're good enough to win it. We'll see, but they have a really, a really fun quarterback in Frank Harris, a multi-versatile uh, threat. He seems like he's been there forever because uh, he, he's, he, he's back for his fifth year. He's uh, passed for almost 10,000 yards and rushed for almost 2000 during his career. He's, he, he has uh, almost a hundred t- combined touchdowns. Uh, that's a guy that I, I, I really like, and he's got a pretty good receiver in uh, Zachary Franklin as well, who, uh, he caught he, in in the last two seasons. He's caught 175 passes. So that's a team to watch in the in the AAC. Um, Tulane, I think, is kind of that that sexy pick, the it team. Uh, after what they were able to do last year, winning the AAC, um, I think you know again that that's a, a group where taking down USC in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and that I, helps. I, I, 
uh, that that does. And Michael Pratt, who was their quarterback, again, kind of another guy who you don't hear a lot about, but is just a solid, you know, a, a, another kind of multi multi threat guy. Um, and you know, they've got a good group of starters coming back. Uh, and as far as the group of five schools, I think they go into the season as that, again, as being that that number one team to watch to kind of, you know, get their move their themselves into the college football playoff. Um, and, oh, and then, you know, you look at TCU. I mean, that's going to be an intriguing question. Was last year, uh, you know, is, it was it, are they a, a one hit wonder in terms of, of uh, being on the national scene? You know, they don't their two biggest offensive stars are gone and. and in in uh the quarterback in and Quentin Johnson the receiver so the way I look at it is there is they're I, I think they're good enough because again these you know a team, uh, that's a storied program they've had that success I think they're going to build off it defense is gonna is going to be a key for them if they can can start with the defense solidify themselves as a as a strong defensive team then I think there's a lot of possibility maybe I don't know I don't think they're Probably up to the caliber of, of challenging for a national championship a year. Yeah, but certainly uh, they can make some noise in the Big 12. And then you mentioned Florida State. And a lot of people, again, that's another team that you talked about the Blue Bloods. And, yeah, what a turnaround. Uh, and a couple couple years ago, I feel like we were talking yeah, about you know, them being an also-ran. No, I mean, you know, this was, this was you know, a team where you kind of wondered if they were ever going to be able to, to, to bounce back. And if we're ever going to see the get back to problems. And Mike Norvell was on the hot seat a year ago. Exactly. And he's, he's one of the... Uh, the, the you know another one of those those guys who you know he's been able to turn around a program and I'm I did have them in the top ten and again I think that's just from what we saw coming back but they still have to sell me uh, uh, Jordan Travis is a, is a good quarterback but he tends to make some mistakes although he he did have a real nice season last year veteran guy leader uh, someone who who is you know totally experienced which I think is going to come in hand when you. And, and it is really important. Uh, what they have is their defense is going to be, I think their defense is, is going to be pretty stout this year. They got uh, a, a transfer um, from Virginia, Crenshaw uh, Cypress, who's a, a tackling machine, as well as uh, Gilbert Edmond, who had uh, nine sacks uh, for, for South Carolina. Uh, so they really shored up the, their defense, which, again, I think it needs to start with that. And while everybody's pushing Clemson up as, as that team to beat in the ACC. I think uh, it would it'd be fun to see Florida state and, and, and Clemson uh, battling back and forth the kind of way it has been, you know, when it was maybe 10, 10 or so years ago, but I still think they need to sell me, you know, they LSU uh, again, just to, to early in the season, you know, that's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, we, that was a great game last year. Uh, that, that last game of the opening weekend. And, oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we, we could be in store for a, uh, uh, a similar matchup like that. It's neutral site, but, but still, and then, you know, actually, if you look at Florida state's top four games, it's, it's pretty intriguing. They, they have to go to Clemson, uh, in their fourth game of the year. And so, you know, back-to-back road games too, with Boston college and Clemson. I'm going to say, well, Boston college, but you know, that's the kind of team, even if you don't, they, they can shock people. And, and, and sometimes when we especially have if they're looking ahead teams, to go into Death Valley, right? Exactly. And and you you you're coming off a well, you're, you'll be two weeks removed from that LSU game, and then but if you're a team who is trying to kind of regain that prominence, uh, bring yourself more to you know that national attention again, there is pressure. And when there's when there's hype, and I think we saw that a little bit with USC last year. I mean, I thought 
actually USC handled it pretty well, but they just, you know, they, they couldn't, they, they had some, they, they, they struggled with some games, especially that game against Utah, which was a fun game, but you, you have to be able, it becomes a mental thing too. And I'm interested to see how Florida state handles the hype, especially with the challenges they have, uh, in that first month of the season. Yeah, it's good to see the boys from Tallahassee back. And we have on the show Jeff Mazidlo, who has professionally written about sports entertainment and pop culture for nearly 30 years. And talking about pressure, there were a lot of new faces under the headset last season who made some noise. But which coaches are best set up to make an encore this season? We had Brian Kelly and uh, number six, LSU. Lincoln Riley, number seven, USC. Kevin DeBoer and eighth-ranked Washington or Sonny Dykes and number 12 TCU, which we mentioned? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what USC is, uh, you know, they have that year under Lincoln Riley. It also helps that, you you know, you, you have the Eisen Trophy winner back, too, and um, you, you've got some uh, some defensive reinforcements, which is this team really needs. I think this was, uh, the offense was able to do a lot, and there was a lot of talent on that that side of the ball. I just think that it has to be, it, it, it's got to get done defensively. And for Lincoln Riley, it's, you know, this is, he's got more competition within the Pac-12 this year than he did last year. And and you, you look at this list and, and you mentioned, you know, Kellen DeBoer at Washington. It's good. You talk about Florida State kind of coming, coming back to province. Washington hasn't been down as bad as Florida State was, but there, you know, there were some, some iffy years there in the last few. And now it looks like they're back. Michael Penix is one of my favorite players in the country. I loved him when he was at Indiana. I was going to say because uh, he played at yeah. Indiana. He's sure. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad he's you know he was hurt and he's back and I, he's just so exciting. Um, and then you know it, it's you know in Oregon too. I mean it, it's right. You got those three teams. I think it's really anybody's anybody's game as far as you know that that um, the way the the Pac-12 is is set up this year. I think you have USC, you have Oregon, you have uh, Washington, Oregon State is a team to watch out for, and, and then Utah too. It seems like every year people write off Utah, but um, you know I think of, of of the coaches. To me, I think there's still now the hype has has kind of we we, we break off to the Pac-12 for a minute and go over to to Brian Kelly, like you mentioned at LSU, and I think there were a lot of people wanting him to kind of fail last year because. What, I, I may have been one of those not saying I wanted them to <laughs> fail. I had fun them to fail, but I was like, wait a minute, you're leaving for Notre Dame. You're gonna go yeah, to, you're you're gonna go to the Dame, SEC. You're, right. You're doing that goofy dance with the recruits, you know, <laughs> like that, uh, that, that, uh, with, like you're like you're the, yeah, you're like you're the disco club. It's it was it was pretty funny. But you know what? They they I think he exceeded expectation. He's got them back. I think. Now, though, the, I think he's the guy that, that the pressure is on him. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Jaden Daniels had a nice season for him, but I don't know if he's a guy that is is, is good if he's a quarterback who's good enough to win a, an SEC Yeah, he looked title. better than but, he did at Arizona State. Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes you're, 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 you're love, when the level of competition rises, you do the same thing, and, and he certainly had his moments, obviously, against Alabama. But um, I'm looking at, yeah, I think that's that's the one coach on this list who I think well, is always going to kind of have something to prove. Okay, you proved yourself for the first year. You got off, the, you got over that hump. It wasn't as bad as we thought it could be. You, you proved your probably proved your worth. Now let's see what you got because people down there, you know, in, in Baton Rouge expect them to, to 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 play for national championships. And if they are, I think they're good enough 
to to contend. I don't know a good enough contend for the the SEC, but obviously, like we mentioned, you know, they they have a tough schedule, and you know, again, playing Florida State right off the bat is 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 something that Big test. You, you admire these teams when they play those those games, but um, you got to be ready, and and he knows he gets this team ready every week. If he's able to do that, then then maybe. But I yeah, I look at him more so than Riley. And um, I think, you know, a guy like Kelly DeBoer is just he's he's another guy that everybody's kind of fallen in love with the, what he's been able to do. He did it uh, at Fresno State and now he's doing it here uh, at, at Washington. So, yeah, the, his stock is up. But but Kelly seems like he's always going to have something to prove. But I think he brings a lot of that on himself. Yeah. Well, last year, Kelly became the fourth head coach to lead his team to the SEC championship game in his first season at the school. So the pressure is on. And speaking of those coaches, how much pressure is on Luke Fickle, who is, goes from Cincinnati to your 21st rank Wisconsin Badgers? I, you know, that to me was one of the, the more surprising moves of the offseason. I think, and uh, because he went to Wisconsin or because he left Cincinnati, yeah, I, I, I was wondering, you know, I, I just wondered if where else, well, I guess where else could he go? You know, he's not going to, you thought Ohio state, but he's not, that job's not opening anytime soon. And um, I think it's a great hire for Wisconsin. I think there's pressure in the sense that, again, this is another program that expects to be in the hunt, expects to win that division every year, whether they think they can win a big, the overall big 10 championship is, I think it's hit or miss, but they expect to win that, that, that big 10 West every year. And I like this hire. Um, again, I was surprised, but I really do like. I think Paul Chris, they were they were really that that was a very they they were really quick with that decision to fire him, even though it was kind of there was grumblings and this was not a great team. And I was actually at that Wisconsin Illinois game when he was fired the next day. I was oh. at that game where <laughs> Illinois went and you know just ran roughshod over them at, at Camp Randall, um, and the fans were not happy. But I don't know if they were happy, not happy to the point where they expected him to be fired. But um, no, I think, I think Fickle steps into a really good situation. I think it breathes some new life uh, into the program. That's, that's, I think is, has the potential to be brilliant. Braylon Allen is a, is a, is a really good running back. I think that's a guy who kind of got lost um, in the shuffle last year because they weren't that good. And, but he's still, you know, the last, you know, in, in 24 college games, the guys rushed for over 2,500 yards. Tanner Mordecai is, is, appears to be, you know, their quarterback who uh, started his career in Oklahoma and was kind of, you know, uh, he he kind of fell off the depth chart there when you had some other prominent players with Jalen Hurts and and then uh, uh, Williams, and then he went to SMU and just threw for a ton of yards. You know, this guy he he threw for over seven thousand yards for SMU, so that's going to open up that offense more. Where you know they thought they had a a, a kind of game-changing elite quarterback in Graham Mertz, and that never never worked out for for Wisconsin, which was kind of sad to see. He Mert, Mert, Mertz, excuse me, has now kind of apparently found his place in Florida. So, but you've got you've got Mordecai here. You know, it's, I'm eager to see how he handles that, where that'll open things up. But really, for them, the Wisconsin last year, the Wisconsin defense was we didn't see a lot from them, especially when things were going bad and the offense was struggling. The, the defense just, you know, they were worn down. They found themselves in too many uh, tough situations. And, you know, surprisingly, they really had a hard time stopping the run in, in, in big games. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see the bounce back, but I do like the, the Luke Fickle hunter, and I think that's that's going to be a team that should be on the rise, and I expect them to win that to win that division this year. Yeah, if anybody gets the best out of the Badgers, it's going to be Luke Fickle, and we're speaking with Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker, and many other platforms, and even the coordinators that can be put on the hot seat. Brian Ferentz, he's looking to revive number twenty-three Iowa's offense. Is any other seat hotter than his? No, and I'll tell you something. I have I had so much fun last year looking at whether it was on Twitter, whether it was on fan boards, whether it's reading uh, some of uh, the other stuff that that I read out there, different uh, newspapers from around the country, and especially in the Big Ten, the heat that this guy took, <laughs> and it's you know it, it was it was one of those things where even some of the most faithful Iowa people wanted him gone, but he knew his father wasn't going to wasn't going to do that. And I do not think there is, I don't think there's a head coach that is under more pressure than, <laughs> than, than an offensive Ritt. coordinator. Right. Because uh, they really, they need to do something. I mean, this is a team that averaged, you know, uh, under 18 yards a game, uh, 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 under 70 points a game, you know, uh, last year and, and just under, uh, under 18 points a game and, you know, barely, you know, 250 uh, yards of offense. They, they didn't have a, uh, you know, a good quarterback. They were kind of inconsistent there. And who were they going to put in? The running game was not as as potent. I mean, the only thing that kept them in games was their defense, and they had a you know a spectacular defense. So now you bring in Kane McNamara, who was the guy two years ago that got Michigan to sure. the to the college football play. He this is his job for for all the you know we we understand he's got his tight end coming over who he he he, uh, he threw to a couple years ago and Eric All. Uh, so there is some, you know, familiarity in that, so that gives you, you know, a sense of excitement, but, but at the same time, how much of this is also the scheme? I mean, is it just, is it not working? Cause you had, I mean, you, you know, you had a guy like, like you're, you're you know, the, some of those offensive players in that system had been there a while and they just were not coming through for them. But I, when does it become an issue with how you're running, what, uh, you know, what you're running, how you're executing it and, you, know, you had some of some of the weaker defenses out there being able to play with you, and the way that thing the season ended uh, with Nebraska, the regular season ended losing there. You know that I think that was kind of the ultimate slap in the face for an Iowa fan, and yet you don't see anything being done. But we're saying, well, you know, we got these upgrades. Well, we believe our upgrades uh, at, at some of those skill positions, and certainly under center, we'll see what happens. But no, I mean, you know. Uh, Brian Ferentz is, 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 I mean, that, that seat is, I don't need, he shouldn't even be in the vicinity of it. (laughs) It'll leave griddle marks underneath them. Right, right, right. You could, you you might use the smoke might be enough to knock you out. (laughs) We'll have more college football legends right after this. Welcome back to believe in college football legends. I'm Chris Smith and we have on the show sports writer, Jeff Mazidlo, and we're discussing his article. The way too early college football top 25, and you can find that on Yard Barker. And quarterbacks are the theme in your top 25. Who has the most pressure on them? Joe Milton replacing Hendon Hooker at number 11, Tennessee. Quinn yours or Arch Manning battling for number 17, Texas. Or former Clemson quarterback Big Cinco now at number 22, Oregon State. I, I'm I'm more I'm most intrigued. I think a lot of the country probably is about what's going what's going to go uh, down in Texas. You know, with that with that Longhorn situation, because we've heard if you follow the sport, 
you've heard about Arch Manning, you know, since this kid was a freshman, maybe even an eighth grader. And we didn't know, you know, the whole, the whole, it was all, where's he going to end up? And now that he comes to Texas, I think people just assumed he was going to, to be the starter, but Quinn Ewers, you know, he's a pretty good quarterback. And if he could stay healthy, they they had a good spring too. He had a very good spring and, and he outplayed him in the spring game, uh, Manning. And so I, I think this is, this is definitely a guy where, I mean, listen, you, you know, he's, you, you, you know, that what they're, you've got behind you and Manning. I mean, this is the, what people are going to be clamoring for him. Um, but I don't think there is, I think he can handle the pressure, but then again, when does that pressure just become, you know, unbearable because no matter what he does, the minute he throws an interception, the minute this offense, it doesn't seem to be clicking. You're going to hear it. You're going to be hearing about it. And even no matter what he, no matter what success he had in the spring, or what he was able to do last year, or or how he's looked in in fall camp. It's it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for him, and especially when you got to play Alabama so early in the season, going to Alabama. Um, but I'm I'm you know I I'm I'm used I'm interested to see what happens. He's got Xavier Worthy, one of the country's best receivers, back. That's a that's a huge uh, plus. So um, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that Ewers will be okay, whether. You know, Texas has other issues that they need to solve. And again, on the defense, I think a lot of hype or a lot of focus is going on on the offense, but they just need to be play better defense because that was the reason why, you know, they didn't go any further or, or have any more success than they did last year. Yeah. And at Tennessee, now Rocky Top, they got that taste of uh, being on top and they're in your another 11 spot. And Joe Milton, it feels like he's been playing football for a decade. Can he, can he get the magic yeah. back from when he was at uh, University of Central Florida? Yeah, and you know, and he he was actually at Michigan too. So, um, you know, he was a guy that I think you saw last year in 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 the Orange Bowl, what he was able to do against Clemson. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, and I think that's the one guy to keep an eye on in terms of that kind of early season kind of a Heisman sleeper. I I think he's he's definitely someone to. Ooh, to, you heard it here first. I like that. Because I, I think that offense sets up well for him. I think Tennessee is 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 a team that is where their offense, they what Hooker was able to do, Milton can do the same thing. Some of the balls he threw in that in that um orange ball game were pretty impressive. I mean, his arm strength is something we didn't really see a whole lot of early in his career at his other stops. But I think he is definitely a guy that you that he this is his chance now. He's from all accounts. Well, it's his sixth season of college football. He's been waiting for this opportunity. He's been a great teammate, loyal teammate. Is you know he he's been passed up for different things. He's trying to find the best fit. I like him to have a huge season, a breakout season. Whether whether or not that translates into in, into the Volunteers being any better than they they were last year and, and seriously challenging for an SEC title, I don't know. But I think this is a guy where they're going to win some big ball games because of him. And I really do believe he could be a uh, at least out of the gate, all right, as the season starts, a kind of a keep him in the back of your mind Heisman uh, contender. Well, we will definitely do that. And we have on the show one of my favorite guests, Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker and many other platforms. And who impressed the most with some of the returning gunslingers? It's going to be Cameron Rising at Utah or sophomore quarterback Cade Klubnik at 13 Clemson. Well, I think the with you know with with Rising, that's another guy that seems like he's been around for for quite a while. But he, uh, I think, some people were surprised that he's decided to 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 play. You know, he's 
he's a, 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 a you know an interesting player to root for. He was a Southern California kid, wasn't really highly recruited, and he's come here and all he's done is taken them you know to the Rose Bowl two straight years. And there's a lot to like about him. Um, I'm I just think they they always want to write off this team, and 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 he's a guy who they they always find something to nitpick. You know, when I say they, critics, analysts, whatever guys who are getting you know paid more than me to, to talk about college football. <laughs> uh, but they are, there's always like, you, you kind of forget about him because there's you know, especially with the portal where, where names are bouncing around and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of keep that up because he doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself. He's just a solid player. And then when we get to Clemson, you know, Kate, uh, Kate Klubnik is kind of, I don't know if he's in that, that Trevor Lawrence category, um, but he's, this is, this is his time. They were waiting for it. Uh, it's the reason why uh, DJ is gone and, 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 you know, he's at Oregon state and I, I you know, last year they, they were thinking, well, he's going to start in the orange bowl. It's going to be huge. Well, he didn't have a very good orange bowl. I mean, he was, you know, he looked like he was overmatched and, and, and it looked like he just was not ready for the moment. I think you give him spring and you get him in fall camp, but I think you're going to see, uh, see some, obviously we'll see some better play, but I'm, I'm not ready to kind of anoint him as the next, you know, best, the next big thing as a, as a, uh, you know, the, this next kind of star quarterback. I think he's got a lot of talent. There's a lot, there's been a lot of hype around him, huge recruit. Um, but to me, I think he's got to prove himself and I, that orange bowl didn't help. Uh, so I don't, that's why you're kind of not hearing a lot uh, as of right now about kind of what to expect from him and, you know, he's not in that Trevor Lawrence category yet. So just hand off the running back, Will Shipley. <laughs> right, that's right. I mean, there's another guy that's been around for you know that that continues to to be. You know, he ran for almost 1,200 yards last year. Solid. Uh, right, you could do you could dump a pass off to him. You just hand it off. It's good to have people like that, and that helps. I mean, that that really, you know, that that's to for a young quarterback having someone who has proven himself and is reliable. Obviously, you can't go wrong. Yeah, 15 TDs, and we're speaking with. Jeff Mazzillo, sport writer at Yardbarker and many other platforms. And who outside of the top 10 do you think has the biggest chance to be in contention for the college football playoff? Ooh, let's see. I, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked about what, what, what Milton could do at Tennessee. You're hearing a lot of hype about Clemson. And the only reason why I think is because the right now between them and it, it should come down to them in Florida state. so I think, how that plays out, I think Clemson's probably got the best chance to to kind of sneak into the the top that and really have themselves in a conversation. Um, they play Florida State pretty early. Excuse me. They they play them on the twenty third of uh, September and they get them at home. So I think that could be to me that that could set really the tempo for the season. Again, a lot of it's going to have to do with with Kate Klubnik, but I think he's a guy. I think that's the team to. That probably just because of the conference they play for, I think, you know, it's it's really as of right now, I think it's those two teams that are the two serious contenders. They do have to go to Miami. Clemson does have to go to Miami and North Carolina State in back to back weeks to close October. That's going to be interesting. And really, with Miami, you never know what you're going to get. I think North Carolina State might take a step back uh, from where we've seen them in the past couple of years. I think they were kind of overrated last year, but the 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 uh, AP voters were in love with them because they always seem to be sticking in the polls no matter what happened. There's always one um, of those but teams. I, but I, yeah, but I think Clemson is 
uh, for me, uh, the team that's that you know don't have ranked here in the top ten that could probably have the best chance of getting into the to the playoff. How surprised are you that uh, Florida and Oklahoma kind of fell off the map? You know that well. The thing with with Oklahoma is even when they were when they were good with with Hertz and and you know when 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 Rattler, Rattler was, was there, was, yeah, they just couldn't play defense, and that that's kind of been their downfall. And I think Riley was so focused on kind of that uh, the flash and things that. No one, they could never find the the right people. To, they couldn't stop anybody. And, you know, with Florida, I think of those two teams, I think Florida's probably got the best chance to elevate themselves um, to, to to kind of regaining some of that success. I don't think they're anywhere near being a, a SEC contender, although I did mention Graham Burst, and I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see if, if he tends, if he ends up being the guy uh, under yeah, center. Yeah, I know you there. were big on him a couple of years ago. I did. I, I liked him. And then I thought he, you know, he, he, as a, when he came out and you know, when he was first starting, uh, Wisconsin looked good. And then just all of a sudden there was, you know, I don't know if it was just him with the regression or didn't the, the, the offense didn't set up well for him, but, um, no, I, I, yeah, I think with the inconsistency for Florida has been on both sides of the ball and with Oklahoma, it's just been that defense. And then, you would have the off that what what you you have any amount of inconsistency really at the quarterback spot too. I mean, they're going through different players every year now. It seems that you've got to find a way to to have some cohesiveness. And when you don't have it on one side of the ball and you're putting all the pressure on the other one, uh, that's not always a, a great recipe for for good things to happen. Not at all. And besides those two teams, what program was tough to leave out of the top twenty five? Who's sitting there in between twenty six, twenty seven? You were thinking about it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some there's some teams that, and I think just kind of, uh, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I think Mississippi State's a team to watch. I think you know they, uh, the the tragedy with Mike Leach last year, but I, I I think they have the ability to to kind of pick themselves up, get back. I think they're they always seem to be kind of like a spoiler, uh, in in the in in the SEC, and and I think there's, um, you know, it, for me that's a team that you you kind of have to. To, to keep your eye on still, I don't know if they're, if they're really going to make so much noise, but I also, I, I do believe that they can be they're They're going to be in the top 25 this year. I, I honestly believe that um, at some point. And then, you know, you go into the big 10, I'm, I'm interested to see where Michigan state will, will slot in because that's a team where, again, they should be better than they are. And, where they are right now is is kind of really anybody's guess, but I think you know they they had they had a tough season last year, and I'm wondering if they're able to bounce back. They had did some nice things uh, with some of the re, you know with the recruiting, uh, but they they need to get back to to Providence. They they were excited about their spring. They like Mel Tucker there still, so I'm going to be interested to see where where they're going to end up. Yeah, we talked about some teams that may jump into the top 25. Who's likely to drop out? Oh, I think, I mean, you, you look at a team like Iowa, I think Iowa's, you know, again, with the offense, I mean, what, what are we going to see from them? And do they have enough, do they have enough early to, to, to kind of sustain the, their position? Now that's a team who actually, when the actual AP poll comes out or, you know, those preseason, they might not be in it anyway. I mean, cause they, I still think, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what people, what the, what the, uh, the voters think, uh, always, you know, you've got, you're going to Iowa state in the second, if they are to make it and then they get out Utah state in the first game, they've got to go to Iowa state, um, in the second game of the year. And that's, that's, that's like a pitcher's goal with those two teams. Play. <laughs> uh, 
And then you've got to go to Penn State two weeks after that, you know, so it's not it's not going to be uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. And North Carolina is another team. I mean, that defense to me, they're just they're going to be they're going to kind of be like that in and out team every year. They're going to win some big ball games. They're going to probably win two, maybe three in a row. And then they're going to have a real ugly loss that you might not hear from them in a couple of weeks. So I think those are probably the two teams on that, you know, on the, the, the bottom five or bottom, you know, eight that uh, are probably the most most likely to to kind of you know be back and forth yeah and you talked a lot about uh the different schedules what teams in your top 25 would you most like to see wow i mean, I mean I, notre I, dame I, has it i mean i'm looking at october 14 usc at notre dame notre dame heads to clemson we talked about notre dame and ohio state it's just yeah i mean i'm, I'm actually i'm i'm interested in that that ohio state notre dame game but really that the right off the bat uh lsu and, and florida state again because that was a fun game. You know, that's that one game where it was on a Monday. It was on Labor Day. It was on the Monday, that last, um, the last day of the opening week, the official week, opening weekend. And it's sometimes you're like, oh, you know, there's nothing else on. I'm going to watch this. I'm tired of being fall. And that just, that was just a fun game. And I think uh, that, and especially now, because both teams are hyped up. I mean, we're, we're talking potential a top 10, you know, two top 10 teams going at it uh, with with the way LSU played last year and the hype surrounding Florida state. I think there is going to be that, that to me right off, right out of the gate is, is going to be a good one. And then like I had mentioned earlier, and then probably a lot of people aren't, a lot of people won't be talking about this, but that Penn state, Illinois game, if Penn state is serious and Illinois is, is trying to build on a, on a, a rare, very good season. Uh, under you know w- w- with with kind of trying to rebuild this program and Penn State's got all this hype and and this confidence after you know how they finished last year uh, I think that's that's a big game and that's one that Penn State cannot afford if they seriously want to challenge for a conference they can't lose anything until they they because they they know they have to beat Ohio State and Michigan too yeah there's going to be some tremendous matchups in top-ranked teams in the Big Ten that is for sure we're speaking with Jeff Mazzillo, sports writer at Yardbarker and many other platforms. And there's so much more in the article. It's titled The Way Too Early College Football Top 25. But you're going to have to go to Yardbarker to read the rest. There's tons of great information, especially if you're a college football fan. All of Jeff's great work. Let me tell you, it is all fantastic. You can also check out more from Jeff at the new arena and field level media as well. All right, it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Jeff Mazzidlo. Three-letter questions to close out the interview. Now, not only to write articles about sports, but entertainment for over the past 25 years. So what is your best fictional sporting event from movies or television? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, I think, you know, my favorite is, is probably uh, the... Uh, you know, little uh, Hickory High School uh, beating uh, uh, the mighty uh, uh, team, which, you know, it, now in fairness, it is based on a true story. Uh, uh, I've actually, over the years, had a chance to uh, to meet uh, some of the, the, the Jimmy guys Chitwood? from the Milan team. Uh, not Jimmy, but the guys from the real Milan team. And uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's just so, I mean, the, I, you know, you can watch that movie. And I think I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, you know, I got a little emotional at the end there. And it was... Uh, and it's special. And I think if anybody's ever had the chance to walk into a Hickle Fieldhouse in Butler where they filmed it and where the where it was played, uh, you 
that has to be the first thing that comes to your mind. So that to me is that the way it was filmed, the way it did, uh, it was totally Hollywood. It was fantastic. I love it and I can't get enough of it. So yeah, that's, that to me is, is the, uh, still the, the best game. Yeah, uh, that's, that's one uh, I could definitely watch over and over again. And number two, let's turn to music. What is the top drum solo, fill, break, or intro that everyone should know? Uh, I, to me, I mean, if you're a classic rock fan, it's got to be uh, Moby Dick from Led Zeppelin. That's oh, it's, well, John, it's John Bonham. Bonham. John Bonham at his best. Um, you know, he was he was he was uh, you know he, he was under the influence quite a bit. But when this guy could rap out a, you know, what is it? You know, like a, a six minute plus solo and and just do it. If anybody ever gets a, ch- if any rock fans out there, music fans get the chance to see uh, their their documentary, the song remains the same. You can watch him do it, watch him play it. Um, and, uh, it, it really is, it's something, I mean, to, you know, there are a lot of great drummers, Neil Pert, obviously, Buddy Rick, you know, these classic drummers, but to me, uh, that, that solo is just, it just kind of blows you away because y- it is long, but you feel like it, it, it went by in like two minutes. So, or a minute, you know, it's just, just a great, if you're a classic rock fan, if you're a fan of Zeppelin, that's definitely, uh, that is definitely a, a must listen to. And then if you want to see that movie, you can see him actually do it live. Yeah, I'll so. have to check it out. I'm also a who fan. So. I do uh, like uh, a little Keith, Keith Moon. Keith Moon, one of my favorites, and I, uh, I, I had him on there. I think I had him on there twice on one of those lists. Um, won't get, uh, won't get fooled again is one of my favorites. On Who's Next is my favorite album of all time. So, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, he was just, he was like, just ridiculous behind there. Not, and then he, you know, he smashed up his drum kits when he was done. So he was something else. Oh yeah, definitely. And <laughs> like I said, you got to check out some of these articles. They're even a little more in sports, and they're definitely fun. And I'm a foodie. I interview a lot of people from Chicago. So what is your go-to meal in the Windy City? Is it beef and cheese, pizza, or the hot dog? Uh, I'd say I'd be, you know, if I had to pick between the two, I'd say uh, I'd be a beef guy. And there's so many choices. Everybody does it, and it just depends on how you like it. Um, You know, some of the best beef sandwiches around are in some of the least likely places. I mean, you could have a small shack on the corner somewhere on the south side. Or you could have it at a, you know, a kind of an upscale uh, place that just has it as a as a you know part of the menu on the side that they're not really known for. But yeah, you get a you get a good beef sandwich when you dip the roll in in, in, in the juice. Oh. Uh, you put a little mozzarella cheese on it, put some jardinier peppers. Uh, it, it's really uh, it's definitely a treat. And if you want to get really into it, you could throw in a uh, a piece of Italian sausage as well. And you get the combo. Wow. There you go. A little hint, <laughs> little tricks of the trade there. Which is a big Chicago thing. And I didn't realize what I, I didn't realize that it was maybe it, it is just a Chicago thing because uh, one of my jobs, I worked with a lot of guys from New York and they came over and they're like, wow, I didn't realize, I never heard of this combo sandwich. I go, yeah, the beef and the, the sausage, uh, that's a, uh, that's a staple around here. All right. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> and we've been speaking with Jeff Mazidlo sports writer at Yardmarker, Field Level Media, and many other platforms. I encourage everybody to go out and check out his work. It's incredible. And thanks for joining me, Jeff. No problem, Chris. Thank you. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.